The Heat were hosting the Portland Trailblazers on Wednesday night in a tightly contested game. And then Jimmy Butler was bizarrely ejected midway through the second quarter. Without Jimmy, Miami had to find a way to win. And it was a beautiful, gritty performance, a collective effort led by a clutch performance from Bama to Bio late in the fourth quarter. If you want a breakdown of this game, stay right here on Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Thursday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things heat-related. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. What a game. Wednesday afternoon, the Heat announced that Tyler Hero had entered health and safety protocols. The team was also without Kyle Lowry. He continues to be out for personal reasons. Of course, being shorthanded is nothing new for this team, but it was a challenge early on as C.J. McCollum, in just his second game back after suffering a collapsed lung earlier in the season, helped push the Blazers to an early eight-point lead. Eventually, the Heat took the lead as Max Struess, coming off the bench once again, caught fire in the second quarter for eight of his 15 points. Miami was pulling away from the Blazers, but at this time, it was Portland's Anthony Simons, who was just hitting everything from all over the court, and Miami was up by just one point. When Jimmy Butler, who had missed all three of his prior shot attempts up to that point, scored a driving layup and was fouled by Yusuf Nurkic, Butler, perhaps a little frustrated, walked right up to a referee along the baseline, yelling right in his face, started to walk away, and was assessed a very well-deserved technical foul. But as he was walking away and not talking to anyone in particular, another referee, this time it was Courtney Kirkland, instantly assessed a second tech and Jimmy was ejected out of the game with two and a half minutes left in the second quarter. West, I have never seen anything like that in my years of watching and covering the league. That was some very short-tempered behavior yeah. from Kirkland. Well, I hadn't really seen anything quite like what Jimmy Butler did. I mean, he gets ah, he, he gets also. fouled at going for that layup, immediately approaches Musa Dagger below the basket there, and just is screaming at his in his face and approaching it, stepping to him, which we know yeah. is not allowed. And you're going to get hit with the tech every time. And I don't think Jimmy Butler was surprised by that tech. I think it, it, it seems like he wanted the tech. I, 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 there's no other explanation for it, but just the, how aggressive it was. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that. We've seen Kyle Lowry and whatever other player you want yelling at refs all the time, but that was, if you're Musa Dagger, that is scary stuff. If Jimmy Butler is approaching you, you don't really know what's going to happen next. So the first technical makes a lot of sense, and Jimmy Butler totally. would agree with that because Jimmy Butler yeah. didn't even react, didn't even flinch to getting no. the first tech. But that second tech that comes down um, from Courtney Kirkland, that's what sets everybody off, not just Jimmy Butler, but Eric Spolstra livid, absolutely livid on the sideline. And I thought, like, at, at the first time I looked at it, I was like, you know what? That's ridiculous. It's not as soft as that weird ejection that Kyle Lowry got for just throwing the ball back to the ref a few weeks ago. But right. uh, this was this was a pretty weak. I thought it was really pretty weak. I thought it was the ref just overreacting to being yelled at by big, strong Jimmy Butler. Uh, but then the more I looked at it, I was like, that was that was it was out of line by Jimmy Butler, and it was more than just a technical. I thought that said, still very iffy. He's walking away from the ref at that point. Right. He's it, he. 
he's not yelling at anybody in particular. If he's if he's screaming at clouds, I don't really understand what the problem is. And well, that's really what it was. And I think if it's a little iffy like that, you should always side with leaving the player in the game. It wasn't like this was pretty early in the game. It wasn't like Jimmy Butler was being, you know, overly aggressive with anybody else. This wasn't like a player safety thing. This wasn't a ref safety thing. He wasn't he was right. chirping at the refs a little bit, but nothing out of the ordinary. Well, I so think that's I a difference, though, because it, really it, it wasn't just chirping, though. This wasn't Kyle Lowry who complains after every foul call or various guys around the league, even Jimmy, to some extent. Jimmy's not as much of a complainer as Kyle is, but he he does talk. He does talk. Yeah. Most of it looks like friendly banner. And again, you and I, whether we're sitting on press row or anywhere else or watching it from home, we're not aware of what's being said. Who could? Who knows what he could have said to, I, I forget his name, Musa Dagger? Uh, Musa Dagger. Right? Musa Dagger, great. I don't know man. if I'm saying it right, but I'm thinking. I think I am. I, I think it's close enough. Uh, but that first one, yeah. To your point, it wasn't that kind of friendly, just complaining about a foul call. It was like he was coming aggressively towards Dagger and saying something along the lines of, "It's about call the foul, time. call the foul, call the foul." That's what he yeah. kept, with with some expletives sprinkled in for flavor. But sure, um, I I think like again, and it, it probably deserved more than a tech. Not quite the two texts that prompted the ejection there, but maybe a technical and a break and being like, hey, just a word, like a friendly warning, like one more time, I'm throwing you out of this game. But you didn't need to do it that quickly. Yeah, I I guess Jimmy's a lot scarier in person for Musa Dagger in any case. Uh, I wouldn't be intimidated, but, you know, Musa was. Uh, Caleb Martin (laughs) started a third in place of Jimmy and the duo of Simons McCollum helped establish a lead for Portland. But then Martin kicked off. What was the first of many players that stepped up in the absence of Jimmy? He scored 15 of his 26 points. Dunks, three-pointers, ridiculous defense. Still, the Blazers were up two entering the fourth when the Heat put on one of the best defensive performances ever, perhaps reminiscent of the flying death machine of the Big Three era, Mm. holding the Blazers to just 12 points in the fourth quarter, 5 of 23 shooting in the final period, just 8 points. Through nine minutes of game action, from the time it was 11 and a half minutes to two and a half minutes, they scored just eight points during that stretch, and that was enough. Look, Gabe Vincent diving on the floor, P.J. Tucker in constant motion, both of whom we'll talk about later on when we give out our player grades, challenging every shot. And then Dwayne Dedman adding eight points and four rebounds of his own, and bam, Adebayo. In his second game back after missing 49 days due to act, uh, due a, a thumb injury, goes four of five for 10 points and five rebounds to finish the night with this stat line, 20 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, five steals, and a block. Just a completely dominant performance, and the Heat go on to win it 104-92. I'm obligated to tell everyone that the win puts Miami's record at 29-16, still just percentage points below the Bulls for second seed in the Eastern Conference. But that's not important tonight. It's a big game for the Heat, stepping up without Jimmy, without Kyle, without Tyler Hero. A trio of all-stars, basically. Phenomenal performance from Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I mean, just that fourth quarter alone, 10 points and five rebounds in in those closing seven minutes. They were huge. And look, uh, zooming out, broader takeaway to this game, David. Yeah. Um, I think we're pretty sure that the Miami Heat, they have probably the highest floor in the NBA. I think that's what we've established in December and January when you're missing... Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, obviously Bam Adebayo for 22 games. You're missing your star players for long stretches. You haven't really had them together for all four, other than 14 games this entire season. And what they've been able to get out of these depth pieces, out of the 10-day contracts and all these guys, those, those, those COVID replacements that I call the Decemberists, like all these guys, what you're able to get out of them 
and still maintain that identity that Eric Spolster talks about and all these things, that defense-first identity, the physicalness that they play with, the ability to make shots and, and just sort of find opportunities yeah. and ways to win. That's the Heat's identity, and they were able to maintain it despite all these injuries. And so to me, I think they have the highest floor in the league. And that's why yeah. they're right where they're at right now, just a hair out of first place in the Eastern Conference. The biggest question is, what is the Heat's ceiling? That's what we still yeah. don't really know. We think we know it. We have ideas. But we don't really know. Not without even, without Depot, Jimmy yeah. and, even without Jimmy and Kyle tonight, I think we saw a glimpse of it. I think we saw a glimpse of it in that final seven minutes with what Bam Adebayo was able to do. I don't know about you, but Bam was out for enough time that I kind of forgot what it was that he can do <laughs> in high stakes moments. Like, look, it was a January game against Portland at home. It wasn't necessarily high stakes, but at the arena, it felt high stakes. There was an atmosphere. It was, it was almost playoff, like the same way that that Toronto game was like. like. The Heat really want to win every single one of these games. And by the way, shout out to the fans at FTX. It was an awesome atmosphere tonight. Sure. But um, Bam Adebayo, what he can do defensively with how he can just switch everything and how that unlocks that entire defense. And it allows Caleb Martin and, and, and Gabe Vincent and all these guys to just jump passing lanes and make plays and dive on the floor. Get, Bam Adebayo is the connective tissue to this team. And when you have him back in there doing all of that defensively, you mentioned that stat. Not, what did you say? Nine points in the final 11 minutes? Eight points in the eight whatever points, it was? Eight points in Insane. nine minutes. Insane. I know, I know, grain of salt that it was Portland, but Anthony Simons and CJ McCollum were balling for most of that Damn game. Good. And all of a sudden yeah. they weren't anymore. As soon right. as they flipped that switch, they were not anymore. And Five then you combine with what, the fourth quarter. And then Five you combine with what Bam was able to do offensively. I was texting you. Where's all? This is when they need All Star Bam. He they need him to take over. He is such a point. He's got a point guard mentality in yeah. that he's directing traffic for most of the game, and then as soon as he checks in for Dwayne Dedman at that seven minute mark, takes over the rest of the game. Ten points during that stretch, getting to the basket, hitting him with the floaters, dunks, layups, all these things, getting to the line. This was a glimpse, not a total picture, but a glimpse at the ceiling that we still don't really know what that looks like for the Miami Heat. We're starting yeah. to see it a little bit more. And I think we'll finally get the full picture eventually when all these guys are healthy, hopefully at some point. But we got a glimpse of it tonight. Yeah. No, I, I want to say, like, pump the brakes just a little bit because we're not sure how all these players will find a way to reintegrate. We've seen the offense evolve when Jimmy's in there, dominates to some degree. But you know what? And it was against Portland, and they're they're no good. Okay, fine. I'll give you that, too. Screw it. I don't care about that. That was fun. That was fun watching was fun. Gabe Vincent was very dive on the floor. P.J. Tucker locking everybody up. Bam, knocking a 17-footer in Nurkic's face to seal the game. Uh, those kinds of plays were just a lot of fun to watch. This is a great team. Uh, just getting key performances from all these guys. Like, I, you know, Dwayne Dedman spoke after the game, and, and he said – uh, that you know that players just find a way to step up with no Jimmy. You know, it's it's not that you're better without Jimmy Butler, but you recognize the absence of these players and you know how important they are, and you're trying to find a way to contribute the best you can. And somehow you're getting a guy who was out of the league last year, like Deadman, to become a huge player in the fourth quarter for Caleb Martin, who was waived by the Charlotte Hornets, who aren't particularly good, and right now would face the Heat in the playoffs. Caleb Martin has been absolutely ridiculous with his defense and, and timely offense. Gabe Vincent, who a lot of people had written off, nobody counted on him for a, a backup role this year. He's been great because of his defensive intensity. Max Struess, again, a guy with some promise. He stepped up 15 big points, and he had that dominant second quarter to help keep Miami going. Just incredible to see all these guys stepping up and, and, and contributing to winning basketball, and that's what heat culture is all about. But you know what? 
We'll put a pin in this and we'll talk about some of those key performances in the next segment when we give our player grades. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Locked on Heat is sponsored by Bet Online. They'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. All right, boys and girls, it is time for report cards. We're going to get into some player grades. But first, David, uh, and I'm sorry I don't have the bow tie because I just didn't have enough time. That bet online read is a little short. Uh, but That's all right. Before I get to the player grades, just a couple more notes from the post-game press conference. Sure. Um, this, was a, this was a good one. The Miami Heat yeah. are not, they're not a great post-game press conference team all the time unless Jimmy Butler speaks. Eric Spolster is just kind of trying to get out of there. A lot of the players aren't as... Uh, Communicative. Not as colorful as Jimmy Butler is sometimes, but I'll say this. This one was a banger, and that's because Eric Spolster coming out unprompted. He just yeah. he walks into that press conference after all smiles, strutting in, <laughs> sits, down at the, sits down at the podium or whatever, the table, uh, and again, unprompted, had not been asked a question, just looks around the room with a big grin on his face and says, yeah. that's going to be my boss's favorite fourth quarter of the season, of course, talking For about sure. Pat Riley. And, sure. he, and you know what? Forget Pat Riley. That was obviously Eric Spolster's favorite fourth quarter of the season as well. Uh, right. It was, it was, um, you know, you're talking about the defense in that fourth quarter, reminiscent of the flying death machine. That's what I thought about. That's what I was thinking about during that fourth quarter, just the way that they were switching and connective and, and all that. And everybody knew where to be and, and what to do. Right. But right. he's starting to talk about names like PJ Brown and all this stuff. Like he's going <laughs> way back in the archives to, to talk about some old school Miami heat defense. Now, I still think it's more like the Chris Bosh switch everything, yeah. blitz everything defenses, but yeah, um, you could just tell. Anyway, so we're going to get into some player grades because a big person that he shouted out was Gabe Vincent, and I'm going to give him an A. I'm not going to sugar. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to play around here. Eleven points, four for thirteen shooting. He only had two rebounds, a couple of uh, and, and seven assists. And the seven assists is what I want to focus on here, David. Um, also a plus fourteen in the box score, which is. Uh, Third highest on the team. Yeah. His ability to defend people who are bigger than him, multiple positions, to be mm-hmm. on a string defensively. I We've talked about it enough, but I want to go back to the assist because how he's developed as a pick and roll ball handler. Yeah. I know we're focusing on that Bam out of bio stretch where he took over with the 10 points in the final seven minutes, but Gabe Vincent running pick and roll with Dwayne Dedman to, and, and creating offense when there was a stretch there like the Heat lost the end of every quarter except for the end of the fourth quarter. They lost the end of the first, lost the end of the second, lost the end of the third. And it right. kind of felt like the Heat could have given this game away. And then sure. Gabe Vincent and Dwayne Dedman come in and they steady things offensively. And they just go to a very basic pick, high pick and roll with Dedman and Gabe Vincent. And he orchestrated it to perfection. Two straight baskets for Dwayne Dedman and then dives on the floor, gets a loose ball, kicks it out to, I think it was Struess who kicked it back to Dedman who got that dunk that kind of gave the yeah. Heat the momentum that carried them to the end of the game. Those are the kind of plays that Gabe Vincent makes. It's why Eric Spolstra continues to shout him out in post game. Yeah. That's the evolution where 
he doesn't have to be a scorer. Like there's enough scoring options on this. You want him to be able to knock down timely buckets, but he's not he's not an essential player because of his scoring. What he does is defend at a high level and now he's become an excellent playmaker and I'm glad you brought up that pick and roll situation. You asked Edmund about that, right? About his growth yes. as a pick and roll. Yeah. Managing that and Edmund spoke about how he's watched his confidence grow ever since he was with the Nigerian national team and through camp. Look, People were writing him off. I, I look I, even before you jumped onto the show. I was a fan of what Vincent could do because of his high intensity, the way he was playing defense in the preseason, etc. And then everybody kind of just overlooked that. And then I was a running joke about how much Eric Reed used to love talking about Gabe Vincent's effort during Heat broadcasts. And then slowly but surely, everybody starts realizing, you know what? This is just this isn't Eric Reed just lip you know, doing lip service here. He's actually trying his hardest out there and doing the best that he possibly can. Like, he's undersized. There's no denying that. And yet, it doesn't matter. He guards bigs. He guards wigs. He guards ball handlers. Whoever he has to guard, he picks them up and he locks them down. He does a hell of a great job on it. Fantastic effort. But, yes, that playmaking, an incredible evolutionary process that we don't – I don't think we expected him to be such a competent ball handler. Like, again, the the, the scouting report on Vincent when he first joined the team a couple of years ago was shooter. Yep. We never got to see it during yeah. the Orlando bubble. The season ended, of course, mid-March. Since then, he hasn't been a shooter. He hasn't been a ball handler. He hasn't been much of anything. Now, all of a sudden, that confidence that, that, that Deadman spoke about, leaps and bounds, excellent defender, excellent play playmaker, and, you know, occasional shooter. And that's more than enough for, for the Miami Heat. But let's move on. Yeah, and to your point about the scouting, too, Bam Adebayo yeah. kind of slipped this into his post game, but... The scouting report on these guys are changing. He said they're in oh, the yeah. scouting He said they're in the scouting report. Gabe Vincent, Max Strews, Caleb Martin, we're about to talk about. They're in the scouting report, but they're not in the scouting report, which is, I think, how Bam phrased it. I thought that was really interesting because, let's just quickly, Caleb Martin, A-plus here, 26 points, 8 rebounds, a couple assists. I knew he had a bunch of points, and I just remember, but because he was just, he was scoring a lot. And I just yeah. looked down in the third or fourth quarter, and I was like, oh my god, he has 26 points? And I even realized yeah. it watching the game, because there was so much happening with the Jimmy Butler stuff and everything, and I, and then, but I wasn't surprised. I wasn't necessarily surprised. Also a plus 15, and that makes so much sense. Look, I don't know what else to say about this guy. This was probably the most productive game he's had all season. I don't even know yeah. if it was the best game he's had all season, if I'm being honest. But it was up there. It was certainly up there. That's, that's wasn't more of a credit to high. him than anything. Right. You know. Um, but what he's doing, picking up full court, guarding guys, like he's he's just stepping right at CJ McCollum. He's stepping right at Anthony Simons. And I know this Portland team stinks, but those two guys are really good. Those two guys are really good. Um, and shout out, by the way, to CJ McCollum really quick. Coming back from that collapsed lung, that was a scary situation. Didn't know if he'd ever play again. He looked great. But Caleb Martin stepping right up to those guys and being like, I got this. Let me defend these guys. Just like he did with Steph, De'Aaron Fox, Chris Paul, Steph, like all these guys. Um, I've not, I've got nothing new to say here, but again, going back to Bam's comment, like the scattering report on these guys are changing and that's really hard for opponents to figure out because you, you scout, you send your scouts to, to, to scout other opponents. And I don't think you're used to this, used to having right. to continually scout and be like, all right, Max Struess is more than just a shooter. Gabe Vincent is more than just a defender. Caleb Martin is like a do everything kind of guy right now. Um, right. It's it's just it's pretty like, imagine the scouting report just from tonight's games. Caleb Martin, surefire all star. Jimmy Butler, <laughs> notorious hothead who can't score. Like that's the scouting report for tonight's game, and clearly that's not the case. Uh, so it, it is very difficult. Yeah. And, uh, 
it just shows how deep this team is. Like you brought up a great point about Miami having the highest floor of any real title contender in the NBA, of course, of every team in the NBA, because they're just, you never know on a night to night basis who's going to step up and be capable of these 26 point outings yes. like Caleb Martin does. Like I, nobody would have expected that. How do you prepare for that? How do you, how do you plan on some guy who can just, dive along the baseline and dunk right in Yusuf Nurkic's face. Like it mm -hmm. was just unbelievable, especially when you unlock that playmaking because of Bama to bio and everything that he brings to the table. But uh, let's wrap up yeah. the segment here. I think but, you have one more player to talk about. Yeah. yeah I just, this one, I, PJ Tucker, I got a question mark here. Um, only because and I, this is not a diss on PJ Tucker, but two points on one for six shooting over three from yeah. three point range, just yeah. three rebounds, had three assists, had a couple steals. It wasn't a bad game for P.J. Tucker. He was a plus seven, wasn't the best on the team, wasn't the worst on the team. But Eric Spolster coming out afterwards and talking about what this team did to lock up defensively, and obviously P.J. Tucker is going to be a part of any success Miami has defensively. Yeah. But him just – P.J. Tucker was the first name out of his mouth. And he was like, this, yeah. is, this was a P.J. Tucker game, and this is why we have <laughs> P.J. Tucker now. And what he was able to do defensively, like – why I put a question mark up here was just because I need to go back and watch whatever it was because I was enthralled with Bam Adebayo and Caleb Martin. Sure. I was watching Max Struess, who shout out to him too. Uh, 15 points for Struess, a plus 22 best on the team. He was awesome tonight. But I wanted to go in this P.J. Tucker route because I'm just saying I got to go back and watch the film of whatever P.J. was doing in the fourth quarter because apparently it was incredible and I just wasn't noticing it. It was a quiet just – defensive presence like he doesn't stand out because his scoring wasn't there today he didn't have the floater going he didn't have the three-point shot going but just defensively just a part of everything he played all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter i think that mm -hmm. is a huge part of why they were able to keep the portland trailblazers to just 12 points during that quarter just because he was out there all the time just constantly moving constantly switching you don't force those turnovers. You don't intercept those passes. You don't pull down those rebounds without P.J. Tucker boxing out and doing all the little things that don't show up. You know, Eric Spolster, ever since you know Justice Winslow was with his team, remember he used to always talk about Justice making winning plays. Well, you yeah. know what? P.J. Tucker makes winning plays, and he's done it throughout his whole career, and he's going to continue to do so with Miami as they push for an NBA title because I think that's the path along which they are treading. But anyway... You're, we've, you're so you've just been we've just been you've been waiting for this final segment this whole show it was star wars night at ftx arena so we'll be celebrating star wars miami heat or lockdown heat style in the next segment so make sure you stay tuned for that just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via twitter using the hashtag ask heat be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review and thank you so much for making lockdown heat your first listen every day as I said before, it was Star Wars night at FDX Arena. Uh, if anybody's listened to this show for a long period of time, you know that uh, my interests tend to run towards the geek side of things. And so Star Wars night, uh, I, I'm sorry I missed it uh, for the second time since I've been back in Miami covering <laughs> Miami Heat full time. The first time was the day that I actually moved here. I'll never forget it. December 10th, 2019. And I arrived late from Gainesville. They were taking on the Atlanta Hawks and I did not get a chance to see it was pissed off about that and of course since nobody wants to wear masks i can't go there now anyway so uh that's uh, that's uh, my that's my point here i screw covid and screw people who keep covid coming along and going as healthy as it has been but anyway uh star wars i was excited to see all the costumes there was a lot of lights a lot of displays a lot of music it looked like a great time what was the vibe at fdx arena there 
for me, confusing mostly. <laughs> I was not entirely. You're the one that informed me that it was Star Wars night. I wasn't totally sure what was going on. I got a picture here. I want to try to add it here for the uh, for the YouTube thing. I'll I'll figure it out. But um, look, I, I it, it was kind of interesting. I'm walking uh, near the the press room, and all the Star Wars homies were like out there, you know, backstage <laughs> doing yeah. what it is, like dressed up as like. You know Chewbacca and Darth Vader oh. and Darth Maul and C3D2 or whatever his name was and and all these other guys and uh, during halftime they, they had made like a whole battle. Character. Oh, that would have been awesome! How did that go? Who won? I guess I don't I know. Wow. The one with the the not the red one, not the red. Oh one. my god! I'm so disappointed. Uh, you know, those are the kind of details that I needed you to be there. You were our man. I wasn't on the breaking floor down that play by play. Oh, well, that's okay. Uh, look, I, you've never been to a comic book convention. It's pretty clear. Uh, a lot of people. Oh, is that the picture Picture right there? Uh, yeah, I'm going to bring it in right now to the YouTube channel. Wow. There it is. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I had like these. That, uh, during the, It was actually pretty funny. I, during the uh, during the uh, uh, during the breaks, they would do these like things. So they had each of these heat players. And the picture here is um, Bam Adebayo with uh, a mask on saying, I am your father. And so they did like impressions of the different people. So they asked each of the players to do your Darth Vader impression. And they asked them to do a, a C, uh, uh, the little robot guy. What's his name? R2-D2. R2-D2 with the wow thing. Yeah. They asked them everybody to do that one. And then everybody had to do a Chewbacca one. So, thank you. Every, it was better than any of the Heat players. I'll tell you that. They had to do impressions. I actually thought that was good. And then during another break, they did like lookalikes. Like they tried to find like a Leia lookalike or um, in, know, in the crowd. Yeah, in the crowd, in the crowd. And that was kind of fun. So people had fun with it. Of course. Yeah. A lot of cosplaying, a lot of fun there. But we figured we'd look at some potential Heat, heat players slash Star Wars character parallels. Of course, this was my idea. So I don't know how much this will fly <laughs> here. But we'll start it off with the most likely one, I think. Uh, the one that I, I, I texted you right away. I was like, if, if you could Photoshop, this would be great. A, you know, a combination of Yoda and Udonis Haslam, you would yeah. call him. Yudi. It makes more sense. You call him UD anyway. Why not call him UD, the oldest and wisest of the Heat players? Everyone's written him off, but he still comes in there with a force punch on Dwight Howard whenever necessary. He's still got it. 800 years old or 41 or however old UD actually is. He's still got it. He's still the Jedi leader. He's still the, the yeah. lead of the, the head of the Jedi Council, which is Heat culture. So I think it's the perfect parallel there right there. I, I like it and and maybe and look I'm gonna I'm gonna try some Star Wars knowledge here. It's mostly guesswork, but I've seen the movies. Uh, like Yoda is like the the Jedi who like passes on Jedi knowledge right to the other younger Jedi. And if that yeah. right correct okay so yeah. that's perfect for you, Donis Aslam. He is of he's the Jedi of Heat culture, and he just passes hey, he's down, the down the knowledge of Heat culture to all right. these younger Heat players. It's perfect. That's right. That's right. I, they should refer to Yoda as the OG of the Jedi Council, just yeah. like Udonis is the OG of the, the captain. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so second here, I've got, this is a real stretch here, Chewbamba Tabaka, family-oriented, big and fun, but he can tear your arms out of your sockets and provoke. Let the Wookiee win. Let Bam win. That's all that's necessary. I think it's a Perfect. great parallel there. Uh, you know, he's just tall. He's big. He's also fun-loving, but don't piss him off because you don't want to get in his well, dark side. Go who ahead. does that make? Uh, who does that make the other the Harrison Ford character? Hans Polo. Hans Polo. 
Instead of Han Solo, it's Han Solo. Look, Han Solo, the character born to slavery in Corellia, much like working <laughs> as a video coordinator for Pat Riley. I think that's the that's the parallel right there. Eventually, they wind up going on to bigger and better things. Han Solo saves the universe. You know, he he saves. Yeah. He shoots at Darth Vader so that Luke Skywalker can blow up the Death uh, Death Star and, and the New Hope. So I think it's a, a great parallel there. Uh, I'm not sure where the Pat Riley comes. I know a lot of people want to call Pat Riley the Emperor, but I don't think that's quite fair. So I like Hans Polo. I think that's pretty good. Uh, this was another stretch here. I go with Gogi Wan Kenobi for poor Gora Dragic, who isn't here. But much wow. like the character Obi-Wan Kenobi, look, he, he has his heyday. Think back in 2016 when you know he was an all-star for the Miami Heat, etc. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, of course the the Sith take over. He goes into hiding on Tatooine. That's where that's basically the frozen tundra of the Toronto. That's you know he's there, he's okay. hiding, but eventually he'll come back so he can help lead this young child into the next phase of his development. Tyler Stepbacker. That's right. Well, instead of Luke as Tyler a ghost, Walker. right? That's is that right? That's how sure. it goes in the movies. Sure, sure. Okay. It does, it does, it does. Yeah. I okay. mean, eventually he'll be taken on. So I mean you can stretch it out a little bit further that Dion Waiters is kind of like Anakin Skywalker, you know. Uh <laughs> eventually he dies or he gets reborn. Nobody likes he, him. Yeah, he emerges as as a Darth Butler, I think the most fearsome Sith Lord possible there. Okay. He eventually reveals that he has a soft spot for the heat, just as Darth Vader eventually had a soft spot for his son luke skywalker so I, I, that's all i've got uh i, I, I like i love tyler hero as luke skywalker and udonis haslam as yoda and i think that the best photoshop and if anybody can do this if anybody can Please. do any of these photoshops that would be wonderful but Please. if you can get yeah. if you can get a yoda like udonis haslam riding the shoulders of tyler hero in some <laughs> sort of swamp that would be in the everglades maybe that would oh. be phenomenal that would be phenomenal well, I mean that's a stretch, but I mean you probably have to use the actual. We have very scene. talented listeners uh, based on our history who can Photoshop some of this stuff. But oh my god, a little Udonis Haslam creeping up on Tyler's back, whispering <laughs> heat culture, go after a young blood or something like that. That's hilarious. Right. I, I, I master the I step know. back. Yeah, I. <laughs> I would put that in a T-shirt and we would sell that at the Lockdown Heat store. I, I think that's absolutely. We have a Lockdown Heat store. We will now if some motherfucker can put that on in Photoshop. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. God damn, that's that's exactly what I've been looking for. But uh, anyway, that'll wrap it up. A big win. I'm excited. Star Wars. We'll have a mailbag episode tomorrow. Send in some questions. Send in some Photoshops. Send in anything you want. Trade ideas. We're all open for it here on yep. Locked On Heat. Thanks so much for making the show your first listen every day. Again, remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show. So make sure you subscribe to get the best coverage available. Make sure to also check out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks for joining me, Wes.